think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Hey everybody, welcome back to Daily Notes presented by Almost Sideways. My name is Adam, and today we have a very, very great conversation in store for you. If you love horror films, this is a good conversation to be part of. This is one of my favorite horror films of the 1990s, and that is 1996's Scream. So excited today to be deep diving this classic slasher film from the late 90s. have a great guest with me as well, deep diving this film. And she is a diehard Scream fan. She loves this film and this franchise with a passion, so I'm really excited to pick her brain about it. We also get her... We also get to like see her evolution into horror and how she progressed and became a YouTube star as well. And that is Lizzie, aka Carnage Candy. Love the name, love the conversation. So let's journey to Woodsboro with this awesome conversation with Lizzie. So yes, I am joined by the one, the only Carnage Candy herself. Lizzie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and joining the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, excited. I, you, you told me before we were kind of talking about the episode, this is your very first podcast. It so is. hopefully it's a good experience for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will be. Yes, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so before we get too started into the episode, uh, tell everybody at home who are maybe not familiar with your YouTube channel, let them know where they can find you on YouTube and social media. Everything's under Carnage Candy, Two Eyes and Candy. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, of course, is my main thing. But yeah, everything's under Carnage Candy with Two Eyes. Um, before we start really getting into the episode, of course, I wanted to also get to know, kind of like know you and your experience into horror and how you got into the genre. So I guess I'll just start off with my first question is, uh, the name is very unique. and I really love your YouTube uh, channel name. How did you come up with Carnage Candy as that's that's the way you're going to go with? Well, so I initially got into YouTube just kind of wanting to do a channel, didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, and then I watched a lot of horror YouTubers and I did the horror cat film tag or something like that and realized that I loved talking about horror. Um, and it's actually a reference to Scream 2. Um, there's a scene where Dewey and Randy are in a coffee shop talking about kind of the rules of the sequel. Uh, and Randy talks about how it has to be, you know, bigger uh, and more kind of graphic and he says a line about more carnage candy uh and that's mm-hmm. how i got the name pretty uh, pretty awesome so i take <laughs> nice yeah. so i take so i take it you're a pretty big scream fan then uh, yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah. so perfect and there is a, also a playlist on youtube your youtube channel that has dedicated to scream so i'll make sure to leave that in the sh- our show notes as well so you can jump right to it guys so that you can yeah. make sure to check out our content uh so was there when you're growing up you know, you, you there's a you say you're you're loving talking about horror. So, what was there a specific movie that kind of really got you into this genre? That like, man, I'm really interested in this. I want to watch more. I mean, it kind of was Scream. So, I grew up in kind of a spooky household. Uh, my dad was big into the old classic monster movies. Um, I mean, my family would sit around and watch Rocky Horror, which is a little bit of a weird family film, but. <laughs> We would do that, and I mean, we watched Nightmare Before Christmas on Christmas uh, and Halloween, of course. 
Um, and I watched a lot of those kind of sort of family, I guess, family friendly ish horrors um, with my family, uh, which, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize not everybody else is doing, but um, I had watched some horror when I was younger. I was not a big fan of being scared or adrenaline things. <laughs> and yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched Scream. I was really interested actually when the fourth Scream film came out, um, because the cast is very heavy with like quite a few known actors. So when that film came out, I wanted to see it. Um, and so I rock, I think I rented all of the Scream films and watched those. Um, and yeah, it just, drew me in so I didn't really get deep into horror until I was older um but I look back mm -hmm. and I'm like well yeah I watched like a lot of like I said monster movies and things like that when I was younger that I didn't real really realize were part of that world I think for a long time I thought everything was like jump scare type of horror um, mm -hmm. type films but yeah I'm like okay I guess growing up I did but I didn't get yeah. to do it until Scream, which I think is a big part of why it is my favorite franchise. Oh, awesome! That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, like I, if anybody knows anything about me, I'm not. I haven't. I love horror films. I'm really getting more into them uh, recently, especially this time of year. It's pretty easy to get into them as well. Uh, but I, it's something I never, I never really grew up on it per se. And there's still like some big franchises that I haven't seen. Like I'm. I'm currently binge watching the nightmare on elm street for the very first time i still haven't i still haven't seen friday the 13th yet so that's gonna be our next one after that so it, it's really awesome like, like my wife hadn't actually she remembers bits and pieces of scream but doesn't remember the whole franchise so right now we're going one movie nightmare on elm street the next one's gonna be scream we're going back and forth on it so uh really excited to kind of go and just very first time our fresh eyes into these horror films as well so it's it's, it's been a fun experience uh getting into them for sure so. oh definitely yeah i mean i can't say i've definitely not seen every friday the 13th i've not seen every halloween there's a lot of movies in those franchises yeah so even as a horror fan i'm like yeah i'm not gonna say i've seen every single one because that's a lot of movies. oh yeah definitely i i think too is that being we, we i had an interview with cody leach actually we recorded that yesterday and uh yeah it so it was really fun. We were talking about all these different sequels and how the horror like genre kind of opens itself up to being sequelized. And with that being said, there's, there's so much in this genre that there's so much to like salivate and watch and all just pick, pick and choose which one we want to watch. And that's the beautiful thing about the genre. I feel like there's so many good movies to watch out there that you can't, you're bound to miss a couple of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, was there a specific like franchise that oh I, I haven't seen this one yet, but I'm kind of really interested in uh, kind of watching a couple films out of there that you can think of? Hmm. Well, that's a really good question. I know it's hard. I'm like trying to think of specific ones. I mean, I it's not really a long franchise. I did just watch all and review all the Poltergeist films mm -hmm. uh, for my channel not too long ago. And I've been, I have been starting to work on doing the, um, the Paranormal Activity franchise. I've watched 
and reviewed the first two for that. I was not a big fan of uh, those types of paranormal films. Yeah. Um, they were never really my favorite, uh, but I'm starting to get more into them. So I've been uh, working on reviewing that whole franchise, which that's another one that there's a lot of films in that too. Surprisingly, there's so many films in that. There's like, what, like five now? I don't know. It's 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 weird. The yeah. first two one, the first two couple are enjoy. At least you can find enjoy like some interesting moments. And in I would say I'm not like a huge fan of kind of like that kind of found footage style all at, every time. But mm-hmm. it's, there's some entertainment there for the jump scare stuff. But yeah. Um, so Scream is a the big movie we're talking about right now. And obviously you went to see Scream Four. That's where really what you got into because of the cast and everything. I actually remember going to see Scream Four opening night. Midnight showing by myself. There was like five people in the. Maybe there's more. I'm just can't remember exactly how many people in the theater. But went to see that by myself at midnight showing, and it had a blast. With that I love the Scream movies. That was probably my favorite genre, favorite type of slasher movie. Also being a '90s, you know, I was born in '89, but pretty much a '90s kid. Seeing a bunch of these like '90s slashers, I, I really love the Faculty, the you know, the Scream movies, some of the later. Halloween, like H two O, they're they're fun slasher flicks. There, uh, what's something like? What about the Scream franchise? It's kind of really, other than like, you know, watching it a lot. What's what's about Scream that like? This is why I like it. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's just something about it. I guess it's the fact that I feel like it's a franchise that's really for horror fans. Um, you know, it kind of, there's a lot of references throughout the franchise to other films, um, which if you're not big into horror, sometimes can get a little bit lost, but, um, yeah, I just think it's really, like, a series that, you know, there's times where, like, it does kind of pick fun at, you know, some horror tropes and things, but it doesn't do it in a sense of, like, being mean, towards horror fans mm-hmm. in a sense of being respectful um and i just think wes craven was a genius <laughs> so. yeah i say that's that's pretty much me too like i said this is one of probably my favorite like like slasher film as well horror film i love the halloween movies as well some of them but scream for me is it's, it's fun that's what I, how i can exactly. describe it. it's it's exact it's fun it knows what exactly what it is and as i was watching this man if if we could make a drinking game, just a scream. Take a drink every single time they reference another horror franchise or character or something like that, and I think you would be pretty much plastered before like the third kill. I think that would be, oh, a... <laughs> yeah. That, well, that... Within the opening scene of the first one, you'd definitely be like plastered. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Um, so anyway, that's uh, uh oh, actually, the Scream oh. Five's coming out. We need to talk about that, and we need to talk about something else too that we found out. Uh, Oh, yeah. What's your what's your anticipation level for Scream Five? I'm nervous yet excited. I mean, they did finally announce that Nev Campbell was on board, which I'm like, of course, like how are you going to do it without Sydney? But I think that you know, a lot of people when more information were was coming out, a lot of people were talking about like the fact that I guess it's being done by the same uh, writing directing team between behind ready or not um Mm -hmm. and i had not seen that yet when that information uh was announced but i did recently watch it and really really enjoyed it and definitely got the hype um so 
I'm excited. Uh, I'm, again, nervous, obviously, Wes Craven has sadly passed on, um, so he will not be writing or directing this one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go see it either way. It's my opportunity to see a Scream film in theaters. Um, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of, you have the big three main casts anyway, so that's just always good. So, I'm hopeful. Hopefully, yeah, definitely. And I, but I, I'm excited for it as well. But this got brought up in our, our conversation uh, with Cody too. Is that what are they going to do? It's been a very um, this franchise is kind of very it knows what it is and it kind of pokes fun at the tropes of, of the horror film, uh, franchise as well, other horror stuff as well. But so what are they going to do? I'm kind of nervous about that. But again, having the people for Ready or Not on board with this, I really love that film a lot. Uh, so I'm ex- I'm excited but nervous at the same time. And being one of the franchises that hadn't killed off any of the big characters up to this point, other than maybe Jamie Kennedy, because he at least he made a, a sequel at least. But still, it's uh, the big three are there. I'm on board for it, uh, but nervous at the same time. So yeah, um, I mean they are. It's nerve wracking because one of the great things within Scream is the fact that it kind of talks about what's currently going on in the world especially within uh, media or the film world in general um and so it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of route like if they're gonna talk about you know the excessive amount of remakes we've had uh over the past couple years and if they're gonna dive you know into how I guess social media and things or politics or whatever affect kind of how films are made and what's going on. It'll be interesting to see if they tackle any of those types of subjects as Scream has in the past. Um, and I hope so, but <laughs> we'll see. And I, yeah, I'm nervous to see if they kill anyone off um, just because, or if this is going to, you know, wrap things up or not, who knows? Scream has has had some flaws within it. Uh, the third Scream tends to be everybody's least favorite. It's kind of mm-hmm. a thing that's not great, but um, I just, I'm worried if they continue to push it too much, but I think the fact that they've kind of... There's been a lot of space between this one and the fourth one, and there's a lot of space between the third one and the fourth one. I think if there's enough space in between them, hopefully it won't ruin the magic. Yeah, you don't want anything to tarnish it. That's always the biggest fear about something, especially we're, we have four movies. And I, even though the third one, like you're saying, is considerably the, the least favorite of everybody, I still, you can still find enjoyment. I still enjoy that one. It It's by far not like the one of the top tier of the, the franchise, but there's moments in there that definitely kind of are fun. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely, that's my biggest fear. I don't want them to tarnish what happened. And having, you know, Wes Craven, unfortunately, not being there. And um, I think Kevin Williamson is the writing. He's not, he, was he writing this one? I can't remember. He's not writing, but I believe, I think he might be executive producing or he's overseeing yes. it in some way. I know he is involved in some way. Um, so mm-hmm. I know he's on board, at least. 
so aspect i'm not 100 <laughs> sure how but yeah he, he good yeah exactly there's, there's so many possibilities that they could do and i i can i kind of in a way want them to go out like make a statement like the screen franchise has always been like biggest like the biggest kill the best kill of the film is always like the first one they show with mm-hmm. you know like drew barrymore in this one as casey and you have uh Jada Pickett Smith and the Scream Two, mm-hmm. those were like some of the biggest ones of the franchise. I would, I would kind of low key want to see them maybe kill off one of the main characters in the first scene, not necessarily like Nev Campbell, but because that would be too remis- remis- oh, reminiscent of you know the bad Halloween film in the nineties. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Halloween Resurrection or something? Uh, when they kill Jamie Lee Curtis off in the first scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, spoiler, anybody who hasn't seen that movie, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting um, definitely to kill somebody off in the beginning. But it's you got to think about the impact. Because obviously, like, none of us want Sydney killed off. I wouldn't want Gail killed off either. So that leaves Dewey. But I feel like Dewey wouldn't be a heavy enough of an impact. It's amazing me to say. But... Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think the only option, really, they would have of killing someone off that wouldn't completely maybe anger everyone. Um Aside from my girl Emma from Spooky Astronauts, she would have a fit if they killed off Gail. So yeah, sorry, I would listen to this, but I feel like she would have to be the character they could kill off out of the main three that would have a high enough impact, but not completely upset everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to upset Emma though. <laughs> I wouldn't I want to upset that because she's a no. she's fantastic. She uh, is. I love that girl, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could definitely. I don't want to see Gail too, but I, rewatching this film, um, I I recently watched a documentary called "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," and it's, it's talked about some of his wrestling stuff uh, that he did in the late teens. But he also talked about Scream as well, and uh, a little bit. And then I watched the interview with uh, him and the, David Arquette about the Scream and everything, how he got into it. He actually got cast to be the killer in this film, and then he said, "No, I want to be." Deputy Dewey, if I'm more intriguing about that, but in that movie, in the, the documentary, he was, he, he, you can feel sympathetic for him because of everything he's kind of been through, kind of, he's kind of a, he's been through a lot in his life, so watching Scream, I kind of like make fun of Dewey quite a bit in the movie, and it kind of made me even feel sorrier for the character in the film, because I kind of know some of the stuff off camera that he was going through, and I was just like, oh man, I kind of, I was like, Dewey, like, I, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, well, but, that dang, that's gonna. <laughs> I have some it, opinions, but. Oh, okay. Tell me, tell me opinions. your opinions. Tell me your opinions. Documentary. No, I just, it, I guess it kind of had to do with some of the, you know, questions that you um said you were gonna bring up about. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, Our deep dive oh, thing. Okay, I got you. I don't want to say it yet until we get there, but okay. You don't you don't want to spoil it. Don't 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 be a spoiler. I got it. Don't, I I got you. We'll talk about that. Uh, before let's start talking about the screen movie. Hello. Hello. Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? 
get too far ahead without even knowing it today is october 3rd when we're recording it today's nev campbell's birthday so i guess we should give a, a, a round of applause for that that's pretty fantastic that's great timing on our parts i guess <laughs> i know i didn't even have a clue yeah i was kind of i've been posting stuff for our podcast twitter and i was like kind of going on this date in history and i was like wait october 3rd nev campbell's birthday wow perfect time to talk about scream <laughs> i know all right, so let's jump into the conversation of the film. Uh, let's see here. Let's do it. Let me uh, pull up on my letterbox request all the information about the film. Uh, this film came out obviously in 1996 and directed by Wes Craven from Scream, and it, it's a it's a dang awesome horror film in my top five of that year. Let's go into. Uh, we we always start off these deep dive conversations with some trivia, and I'm glad you listened to the last episode. You kind of had an idea that this was coming. So <laughs> uh, I I, I didn't want to like do super crazy stuff like what was the poster in Sydney's room or something like that, yeah. which was which was Indigo Girls, which was kind of funny. Anyway, our first question in trivia today for Lizzie, for you. Here we go. Okay. What two characters die in the opening scene? Uh, that is Cece and um. Uh, I'm trying to think of her boyfriend's name. Yeah. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, dang it, what is his name? That's going to bug me because I know it, but I'm having a brain fart. Because he even says it. Um, Steve. There we Steve, go. there we go. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. Two points oh. right there. Good job. <laughs> what high school did the, kid, the, the teenagers go to? I don't know. I just want to say Woodsboro High School, <laughs> but I don't know. Correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. I didn't know if it had a specific name or if it was just named after the city. So. No, yeah, that was. I was like looking at that. I was like, "What's the high school's name?" That's gonna be a weird one. And then I was like, "Oh, it's just the city's name in the high school." I was like, "Okay, that's simple enough." A little trick questioning, almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. Okay, uh, what station or what show does Gail Weathers work for? Ah, oh. <laughs> I'm like. 
I swear I know it. I'm like trying to think of like leathers clothing something. It was on the camera guy's jacket and I think that um they've mentioned like uh Stu's character mentions it and a couple other people do as well, but oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's there, but it's like, what's where is it in my head though? That's the question. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. Leathers for, because I'm sure. Yeah, he probably says it at some point in the film. I'm gonna have to just uh, give up on that one. I do not know. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. So on the her her it's top story, which is the show that she works for. Oh, for, okay. and then I think on the van, which is, this was I. I just wanted the top story part, but it said KQIS six. KQIS six is what yeah, she works for. I don't know why I didn't think of top story part, but that's odd. Trivia is always tough. I always brain fart on these two. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I'm like, as soon as I'm put on the spot, I'm like, I know nothing. <laughs> I know I know nothing about this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Rand uh make sure I get the character's name. I don't wanna yeah, Randy. Randy Meek says you got to know the rules, the, th- the rules to survive a horror film. Can you name the three rules? Of course I can name the fit three rules. Don't have sex, don't do drink or do drugs, and never say I'll be back. Ding, ding, ding. Three points right there. That, that's a, you got to have the question about that. You got to bring up that line too. So <laughs> That one for me is easy. That's easy piece. one of the best parts of the film. Exactly. So last two questions here. Uh, whose car do Gail and Deputy Dewey find in the woods? Um, Sydney's father's car. Sydney's father's car. Correct. Neil Prescott. Yep. So how many seconds delay between the camera and the news van? Mm, I want to say I think it's like 10. 10 seconds. They said it was 30 seconds. 30 seconds. See, I was torn between 10 and 60, and I was like, I don't think it's 60 seconds, but... All right, so I think if I counted everything up, there's a total of nine points available for this quiz. You got seven of nine. Okay, not horrible, but... Not bad. Yeah, it was just the the news store, the newscast, or the channel that she worked for, or whatever, and the delay, but you were in the ballpark. You were were in the ballpark on both of them, so you're good. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah, you were you were you were good. You're competing. Uh, so as we're talking about this film, there's so many great characters and so many amazing like moments and things that we really love about it. So our, our first topic here, first character is the highest war performance, which is a sports term, which basically is translated into what's the one performance that is the best? If you replace that character, it's not going to be what's the most irreplaceable character in this film or actress or actor or whatever. Who do you, I'll have you start it off if you, you have one. I have to say for this one that we mentioned it. I got to agree with my girl, Emma. I think Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers is amazing. Um, obviously, Nev Campbell's fantastic uh, as Sydney, but I just think that Courtney does such a great job as Gail She's pretty consistent character for the most part throughout the entire franchise. Um, and I just, I love how kind of sassy she is. So I got to go with Courtney Cox for that one. That's a great, that's a great one. Courtney Cox, yeah, I definitely, she was electric in this movie. She's definitely one of the more high profile 
you know, actors in this movie. She's coming off of Friends as well. She's in Friends, and uh, yeah, she's yeah. Fan- she's pretty electric in the movie. And I, uh, other than like, I think the other biggest star in the movie at the time, I guess you know <laughs> Henry Winkler, but he's like way past kind of his prime in a way yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Courtney Cox is great. I, I also had I had Nev Campbell. I think yeah. Nev Campbell kind of gives that innocence, but also in a way uh, she survives. She breaks the rules. And uh, she's a, the, the rule breaker in a way, the horror rule, the rules that we t- mentioned earlier. I, I love Nev Campbell in here, but there's so many really awesome characters here. I wouldn't want to necessarily change who was portraying them. Like you got um, Jamie Kennedy was another one I kind of thought of too. Um, yeah, Randy Meeks. He's kind of like he's kind of kind of he's kind of awkward, odd. He's super into the, the horror thing too, but he's sleazy. But he's uh, he provides like this kind of great relief between all the characters kind of bounces back and forth between them too. So uh, I would, I would have to say probably my thing would be if it wasn't Gail, it's going to be Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox, but it's going to be Nev Campbell for me. So both of those are fantastic. So was there anybody else that was kind of in the conversation for you that might've been other than Nev Campbell and uh, Courtney Cox? I mean, everybody in this is, does such a good job. I mean, I think Matthew Lillard as Stu is fantastic. Um, yeah. And definitely, I think he's just an actor in general who doesn't get quite enough credit. I agree, <laughs> yeah. I, I love... His character is kind of downplayed throughout most of the film, of course, until the end. Um, but I think he just is amazing. Well. Yeah, so, good call. Too. Yeah, there we go. Matthew Lillard. Yeah, that's a great one too. My unfortunately, my wife was like, "I'm like, do you remember who kills?" He's like, "Yeah, it's Shaggy and uh, that yeah. other guy." I was like, "Ah." Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much yeah. I was like, "Ah," but my wife is horrible with names. I'm like, at least you got the character correct that he played <laughs> Scooby Doo. Yeah. So at least that is that. So. Uh, we're talking about, we're, let's transition to, we have these amazing performances in this film. Let's go in, let's move into kind of our worst performances, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There's the, maybe not, and these performances might not be something that are, are terrible for this film. They might fit right into the cast and crew, but unfortunately, if we had to like pick and choose which one was our least favorite and probably not as good as these other ones we talked about, which, where would you go for it? And uh, I'll, I'll start this one off first. It was, it was kind of tough because I was a couple characters. I thought maybe I think I have an idea possibly where you're going to go on it. So I won't necessarily <laughs> say that, uh, but I kind of agree if it is the character I'm thinking of, but I'm going to, I'm going to say out of the main friends, we'll stay with that. I, I kind of Rose McGowan as Tatum. Um, for me, it was the one that was, didn't have as much to do, unfortunately. And it's unfortunate. It's kind of like, didn't have as much to do. She wasn't. She was just kind of like the 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 friend. But of course, that could be also the movie playing the kind of the typical tropes of the horror genre. Unfortunately, uh, she goes into that. I think she also has the the weakest death in the film as well. Uh, I wanted to see. I kind of wanted to see more of Tatum as this kind of best friend. They kind of like, well, we're gonna put her in this garage, and then we kind of have the characters kind of forget about her until we'll reveal where what happened to her uh, when uh, she. Uh, when Sydney falls off into the boat and it's revealed that she Tatum's dead in the garage. So for me, I, I wanted to see kind of more about the kind of like the dynamic and uh, have her have to do more, more things in the film. So that's where I'm going to go with that. I so. did not put that, but I agree. <laughs> now, that you said <laughs> that. now that I thought about it because 
even when I was just thinking of the characters, like, for whatever reason, Tatum didn't even really pop into my head. So you're right. Like, she's kind of sadly, I think Rose McGowan does a great job as her, but I do agree that she didn't really have enough and she didn't really have much of a personality outside of being Sydney's best friend or Stu's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's really very sad. Um, yeah, exactly. She kind of just plays off the trope. In general, I did initially, and I did feel bad because I did initially put David Arquette, but I think that's also just his character is uh, Dewey can, he can be a bit obnoxious. Like he just, he's kind of a useless human being, but he, but that's just how his character is. But his character does have more to him than I think Tatum does. So I kind of changed my mind. I kind of agree with you on that one. There we go. Uh, it actually is kind of Tatum. Which is yeah. sad. Which is sad, yeah. But thinking about that, we both mentioned two characters from the same exact family in this this film, the the Rileys. They could have, they, there's a big, there's kind of a missed opportunity here. How come Deputy Dewey didn't have a scene where he realizes his sister died? I think yeah. that would, that could have been something. Cause even after the credits start, like after the killer and it's miraculously daylight outside, you know, uh, why wasn't there a scene where he kind of looks like by her, by her going into the ambulance or something like that with his sister or something like that? You know, there could have been something there that would have maybe gave David Arquette or his character, Deputy Dewey, a little bit more kind of like makes you feel sorry for him a little bit but i think that was that was like my maybe that's we'll talk about that maybe in flaws i'll, I'll pump the brakes there and we'll talk about that in a little bit later so all right okay so this is a fun one we're talking about these characters minor characters there's so many fun little characters in the background of this film was there one that kind of stuck out that was like this was kind of one of my favorite i kind of wanted to maybe him pop in a little bit more See, and that was hard for me for this one because mm-hmm. when you look at like the cast listing, really it's a pretty small cast and everybody for the most part is kind of a main character. That um, is true. Aside from like what we just said about Tatum, but for the most part, like everybody really is like a main character. You don't really have anyone. I mean, obviously Sydney is our final girl. Um, but, you know, you don't really have any one specific person that I feel like really, truly, like, completely leads the film. Everybody has their moments, um, throughout it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's on purpose because you don't know who the killer is. Um, and so it could be anyone. So for me, it was hard to really think of, like, a minor character, um, I guess I kind of thought of outside of the big three and the killers. I kind of, I guess, figured Randy would be if you, but again, I feel like he is a part of that main cast. Yeah. What about you? Uh, for me, again, I have, the, we're, I think we're on the same wavelength on this one because it is tough. Uh, and if you're trying to, that's so why I went super, I went super obscure on mine. Okay. And, so I'm talking about minor characters. So he only appears for like, he only appears for two seconds on, on screen. And that is Wes Craven as the janitor. True. That is true. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I was like, I want to do something ran- random because a lot of these are just main characters. I'm like, who in the background? And you only see him like one time. 
which has got to be Wes Craven dressed as Freddy, <laughs> like cleaning the floors at the, in the jan- uh, as the janitor. Yeah, that is such a great moment. <laughs> Not you, Freddy. Uh, yeah, that I agree. That's definitely a really great moment. Another, yeah, was, another horror movie reference, and of course a reference to Wes. So we, that, I, I was like, <laughs> it's great. It, 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 was, it was funny. I didn't even realize that was Wes Craven until like I was like looking on the the cast. I'm like, wait a second. The last one mentioned is Wes Craven as janitor. So I was like, that's got to be my that's got to be my choice for minor character right there. Yep. It, it, just, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty hilarious moment. I love that moment. Yeah. On the podcast too, we we love we kind of enjoy Nicolas Cage here a lot. We have one guy on who's just can, can he reviews like random Nicolas Cage movies. This is like this is like thirty second reviews. So we always have a category like who would Nicolas Cage play in this movie if they were to like completely remake it. Um, so there was a pretty big actor in this movie that had no dialogue, no nothing in it, and that was Lee Schreiber as Cotton Weary. So <laughs> I. Yeah, so I'm going to go on Nicolas Cage's Cotton Weary here because uh, he just shows up for that one day of like one day of shooting, gets his money. I'm like, that's kind of a Nicolas Cage roles now. <laughs> just shows up for his one crazy thing. We don't have the, the Nick Cage freakouts like we would love to see, but I think Cotton Weary would be kind of like the perfect thing because I don't want to see anybody else get recast in this movie. I love the casting, so I'm going to go Cotton Weary. That's what I put too. Oh yes, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> I think my kind of judgment on that was more so leaning towards the later films, especially the second one, because there is a scene, yeah, in the second one where he is confronting Sydney and he kind of gets angry and freaks out on her. And I just thought, you know how hilarious that would be if Nick Cage was Cage raging, like <laughs> that moment on the stairs, and he's just like. You put me in prison. Like I just, <laughs> that would be so over the top and unnecessary, and it would be pretty hilarious for those like moments when Cotton gets angry, and like <laughs> have I love Nick it. Cage play him. I love it. Yeah, like, that would be pretty great. <laughs> so it definitely the Nick Cage casting in this film would definitely pay off for Scream Two for sure. <laughs> Exactly. That's kind of that's great. That was that's per that we, we're geniuses. We should have made that happen. Right? <laughs> scream five where Khan comes back from the dead. I don't know, but it's like a flashback dream sequence. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Cage instead, and everybody's like, "What? <laughs> what the hell happened to Liv Shriver? What the? Aww. Oh, poor guy." <laughs> uh, of course, another topic here too is the biggest douchebag of the movie. Uh, uh, it's uh i think there's a there's i think really a two of them to really kind of choose from yeah. yeah uh i got i got matthew lillard as stew in this really? one billy bill yeah I th- that was the other one so there we go we can talk about both of them right now yeah. uh but again i i kind of think he's kind of a he's a guy i necessarily wouldn't i feel like i would hang out with but i, I wouldn't but i think matthew lillard t- provides that character where I think he is kind of low key of a douchebag, but he's so likable that he's he makes my, me laugh when I'm seeing him on screen. I love kind of him as this character. We're considering him possibly low key, like highest war and irreplaceable characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. But there's something about him, like he keeps referencing, like he knows how to kill somebody. He's like referencing like Sid's mom at the, the fountain sequence, and it it's fun. Like, and he's clearly making fun of Randy in certain sequences too, and he's kind of like that that friend in high school or whatever, like 
you're clearly just making fun of everyone here, but you're likable in a way, and we just we kind of keep you around because we enjoy we enjoy you, but you're kind of being mean to everybody at the same time. It seems like, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Stu here. But you're saying Billy as Skeet Ulrich character. I think that's a uh, it's pretty smart too. So I'll explain your why you pick uh, Skeet. Yeah, I mean, I think Billy just kind of is. I mean, he caught even Tatum like tells. Um, said that, you know, he doesn't, uh, him and his dick don't deserve her. Uh, and yeah, that's, okay, that's a good point. Okay. You're right. <laughs> I mean, he, the thing is that like, I do agree. I think, I mean, Stu reminded me of guys I was friends with in high school that you were like, now you look back and you're like, wow, you made like a lot of really stupid and inappropriate jokes, but like you were cute and we thought you were funny. <laughs> female perspective um but <laughs> yeah so i don't know like he still definitely reminds me of a lot of guys i was friends with in high school but billy like i mean he climbs aside from getting roped into being a killer stew aside from that i feel like is pretty harmless for the most part um but i think that billy i mean he climbs into sydney's room and tries to and not even that, multiple times throughout the film, he kind of tries to guilt trip her into sleeping with him. And he kind of uh, does by yeah. the end of the film. Um, and he even tells her, like, oh, you need to get over the fact that your mom is dead. Like, oh, wow, comparing yeah. it to his mom leaving. And she's just, like, trying to explain to him, you know, like, my mom was, as far as she thought, her mom was raped and murdered by this man. Like, how can Billy not expect her to react weird to being touched and you know obviously yeah maybe prior to it they were going hot and heavy but if something traumatic like that happens to someone in your life like you're gonna feel differently and billy's just wants to get his rocks off and doesn't yeah. really seem to care um and so yeah he just kind of like guilt trips her throughout mm -hmm. the film and yeah, I just think he's the douchiest boyfriend, aside from also murdering her mother. But yeah, all of the murder parts aside, I think he's still a horrible boyfriend. Yeah, that is like actually a fantastic <laughs> yeah reasoning too. Yeah, he's just he's so good for that NC seventeen uh, rating of his yeah. thing. He's, he's associates everything about his life to like a horror film as well. And yeah, you know, if you take the killing aspects out of his character, I. Definitely, that's a that's a big douchebag there. He's not being empathetic to her experiences or her even listening to her words at all. Too, he's just kind of like, "I'll slowly wear you down, and I'll get that eventually." And that's exactly where he basically says, he's "Like, actually, you're you're not a virgin anymore, and I I'm gonna. This is why I'm gonna be able to. I can kill you now, type of thing." Yeah, which is like he feels like it's justified because he he basically tells her that she's gonna be like a whore like her mother. And it's like, okay, but she just, she's only slept with you and you basically tricked her into it. Like, that's not fair. And it's unfortunately kind of a world we lived in. Uh, and some people view that still to this day of like, you know, a woman becoming unpure now when it's like, okay, but she was literally with, she dated Billy for several years as far as we know. Yeah. He's the only guy, and now he's telling her that she's 
a whore. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's that's it's definitely where the kind of our culture in the, in a sense for that too. I think that's kind of secretly why he's kind of uh, kind of really wrote really well because of it, he's you can totally see comparisons to how the culture of guys will kind of try to wear you down with words and stuff like that. And kind of like pretty much in a way that he was trying to dehumanize Sydney in this film. And, and unfortunately we see kind of the, what he, his actions did in this movie kind of, you see throughout the, all the whole franchise as well, where she's kind of damaged because of actions and words that, skeet has put on her or not skeet uh but <laughs> billy put on her yeah it's the kid he's always going to be this guy he's horrible <laughs> uh yeah damn that was yeah that's uh there's a, it's kind of crazy how this one interaction with these characters can you can kind of see now throughout the whole franchise and look going back and rewatching. i'm kind of going to be looking for how her character progresses now thinking about um kind of what we're talking about here that's kind of it's good. Uh, it's a good way to kind of a different way to look at it of horror films too. So that's just a, proves again why this movie is pretty smart how it's wrote. Exactly. All right. So let's uh, let's go have a let's talk about something a little more enjoyable. <laughs> I know, uh, we're not real serious on the one, but... but hey, but that's the, that's a cool thing because sometimes you don't not really thinking about it. Sometimes when you're watching, uh, just kind of deep divings are, are a lot of fun that way. So mm-hmm. let's let's transition to the best scene of the film. The best scene. We might have the same one again, but I'll have you start this one off. So this one's a hard one because I think there's two really fantastic scenes. There's obviously Andy's role scenes, um, but mm-hmm. I think as far as the scene in whole, um, I think just the reveal scene at the end um, where mm. Billy and Stu reveal themselves kind of a, for whole like last act of this film really but i think especially just i really enjoy that whole kitchen scene um i mean there's some cheesy lines in the film but i just i really like that reveal scene yeah that's the best mm -hmm. to me yeah that's a that's a great one Uh, i think that seeing them kind of slowly they were kind of slowly turning on themselves as well. If, uh, if Gail didn't walk in and reveal herself in that sequence, they might've just killed themselves right there. Or I, I don't think Stu would have, but Billy would have just killed Stu himself. Yeah. I, eventually that's how you can kind of see how the yarn is slowly unraveling in that moment. Cause Stu's looking at him. like, wait a second, you stabbed me way too hard. Like what the hell's going on here? Like this is, you could slow. Yeah. You could just, you could just see it between the characters. I think that's, it's brilliant that scene plays out i do have a flaw with that sequence though and it's nothing about the scene itself i think it's everything you're saying is fantastic but and i'll mention it in a second we'll talk about that it was just kind of like why did this happen necessarily but yeah, uh, yeah. um i i'm gonna go with I, we don't have the same sequence actually but i love the rule the rule scene that's a uh, fantastic with randy but i'm gonna go with the opening of this movie we, oh we, yes yeah, the opening of the film, I, as I was watching this, and I've actually watched the film twice since you know, I posted a couple of days ago that I'm watching, and I watched it. I just finished it again this today before we started talking. <laughs> Loved it both times. It's fantastic. I've seen this movie countless times, but I was watching that scene, opening sequence specifically. It's brilliant. You know, she starts off with op- the popcorn, and you're not really thinking about that's how we cook popcorn today, but I do remember that style of popcorn, like, you know, yeah. campfire popcorn style. So... 
you have that set up at the beginning and the phone call happens, you have everything kind of slowly play out and it's brilliant. There's so many different references to horror films and, you know, as the room starts slowly filling up with smoke, you know, then that's when the killer comes in as well. It's, it's played out perfectly. And when the parents are walking up, you're like, Oh, there, she's so close to being saved there. But the killer grabs her by the, 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 from the back and stabs her in the heart. And like either stabs her in the like takes out her vo- vocal cords too, so she can't scream. And then the whole shot with like she takes off the mask, so she knows who her killer is, mm-hmm. but we don't yet. And then the camera pans up right at the last minute. Love the camera work they were able to pull off in this sequence. And that opening, talk about one of like the most, arguably one of the most iconic openings of a horror film. And we got it right here. I think it's it's in the conversation at least. I, I love the opening. Scream does a really good job of these awesome brutal kills, uh, and especially too when their parent, her mom and dad warms out and they have that scream and they show her hanging out in the tree too. It's just like, wow, that way to kick off this movie. Uh, when I first watched it, and I was kind of like just my mouth was open and I was like wasn't really paying attention to how it was constructed, but I was like I was I was not expecting her because that to happen because drew barrymore it's a pretty big star and she gets killed off in the first like 10 minutes 15 minutes of this movie and it's like i couldn't believe it so yeah you're right i was wrong that's the best scene no no, no i think your scene was great your scene's great too i love the reveal no but it really is like one of the i think best scenes in a horror film and um i'm sure you know this most people do but for anyone who maybe doesn't know originally um Drew Barrymore was supposed to be cast as Sydney or even like a bigger character, but she wanted to play that character because she thought that it would have that bigger impact of her being killed off. So bless Drew Barrymore for being like, yeah, I just want to be killed off in the beginning of the film because you do get that iconic scene because like you said, there aren't a lot of big names in this film except for Drew Barrymore and Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think definitely killing her off. I mean, obviously, I didn't see the film until later. Um, I was six when the film came out, so I definitely <laughs> didn't see it then. But, um, yeah, I think uh, that that probably did have, like, such a big impact, especially for people who went into the film. You know, she's on the poster, People probably went in thinking she was going to be this main character and then she's, you know, cut off real early. So Yeah. It kind of the movie perfectly uh, subverts our expectations. So what's going to happen? Because then you, why, when you kill off this huge character, it's like, what the hell is going to happen next? Like, what's what? What? Like, that can't happen. That's not how horror movies work. They don't kill off the biggest person right away. Yeah. It's either the killer uh, a suspect or you know like that's the person who's going to survive or die later on in the movie that's kind of kind of the formula but this one it kind of breaks a lot of breaks the rules breaks the formula and it's it's, it's great that way yeah exactly uh we have the best uh the best kill is our next one uh what do you feel is the now we might have already talked about it actually the best death uh, is that is that is it going to be Casey or are we going to throw that as Drew Barrymore's Casey's character or was there another kill you want to talk about in the movie? I definitely do think Casey definitely does. Um, I think 
for me, my, not that it's necessarily the best, you actually <laughs> said it was the worst in your opinion, but uh, yeah. death, just because I think it's unique. I know it makes absolutely no sense. I know they even said um, that uh, Rose McGowan could actually fit through there, so she had to fake it, um, you know, and mm -hmm. it's logically doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's something that I like about slasher films and especially things from the 80s and 90s is that they didn't care so much about it making sense and I feel like that's gotten lost in newer years um I think that it's just fun when the kills are unique and weird and even though it probably wouldn't work that way in real life I still think it's a really cool way to kill off a character that is true and he actually none of the killers actually physically quote-unquote physically it was the garage door technique i yeah. guess they're, they're still going to charge the kill the billy loomis and Stu for the her death but mm -hmm. it technically is the garage door uh, yeah again that it she could have fit through the, the the door easily but also they set it up where the garage door wasn't going all the way up beginning when she clicks the, the garage door they had to go down and then go back down so it was like all of a sudden she's in this door now it can go all the way up that was like you have to kind of but kind of uh expend your disbelief a little bit for her death but again it is a unique way to go and you i i've never seen it done before and it if we're talking about you know it kills it unique kills it, it's definitely one of those ones that we should talk about so i i, I necessarily don't disagree with that pick being one of the better ones because it's the, definitely the more unique ones that are not by a knife or a gun so exactly uh, another one I really liked too was the camera guy. I believe his name was Steve, Stephen Orff. Yeah, Stephen Orff. That's what the camera guy for Gale. That's not who I'm thinking of. It. That picture's old. It's who? No, who Steve's the boyfriend. Steve. Oh yeah, Steve. That's the right. We talked about that er earlier. Um, no, where was the guy? I, Kenny. Kenny was the guy. I apologize. Kenny. I named uh, his name. Um, the actor who plays him is W. Earl Brown. Uh, Kenny, the camera guy for Gale. I think his death's cool because it plays off like, get out of there, kid. He, he forgets there's a delay on it. He comes out to run out to see it, and then he gets killed. Sli his throat gets slashed, and then Gale, the reveal for Gale, that was that was pretty cool where he slides down and all that blood's on the windshield as well. And she, <laughs> has, a, she has that fantastic line. It's like, uh, get off my effing windshield. And that, yeah. that great little sequence with gail there too so kenny is one that i kind of enjoy even though it's it's not the it's a kind of a traditional one a guy turns around and gets slit in the throat which kind of a hard time with throat slicing but uh yeah it's a fun it's a it's a fun death especially with the reveals for gail for me yeah i agree all right is there any gripes and flaws after watching it back so many years later is there anything like that didn't quite make sense or i would have ch maybe changed this little aspect here for you i mean as much as i love this film some of the lines are a little cheesy um mm -hmm. i was kind of watching uh the kill count video earlier for this one mm -hmm. um, because you know he goes i don't know if you've watched those but he goes basically scene by scene kind of yeah um so it's a good way to like kind of refresh it a little bit without watching the movie all the way through um, yeah so i've seen it a million times so yeah i uh he kind of talked about the fact that Billy has that line where he's like, we all go a little crazy sometimes. And then he's like, um, you know, he explains the quote and it's just kind of like, 
over explaining and there's yeah there's some cheesy line moments i think in this and some stuff like that that doesn't hold up as well and like we said you know tatum's character being very like i guess one-dimensional she's not much aside from being Stu's girlfriend and sydney's best friend um yeah i think those are kind of some of mine yeah yeah they wanted to put a psycho psycho reference in there, so they had to have uh, Billy explain his uh, quote about we all go a little crazy. I think that's mm-hmm. that, yeah, that was definitely kind of awkward. They were trying to it didn't come up uh, naturally in the conversation, so I, I kind of I definitely agree with that one. Um, two that I thought of, at least one of the uh, the final sequence that we were talking about, or the uh, the reveal scene that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I really love the scene. However, Stu clearly puts the tape recorder or the voice changer and the cell phone into uh, uh, Sydney's father's coat pocket or jacket pocket barehanded, his fingerprints would be all over that. That's true. But like, it's like technically it's like, wait a second, why are they in this pocket and why are Stu's fingerprints on there? And he's, he's alive supposedly. Uh, He would, at least Stu would get in trouble for that. I would, I would imagine but unless they pick up a Billy fingerprint. So I thought that was like that kind of, and then I had another one, but I forgot to write it down. And now I can't even, what I, I mentioned it earlier. I don't know. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I kind of wonder, yeah, there's definitely stuff like that. And I think my only thing is, I imagine that it's a very small town. You know, they know who the sheriff is. He even says, Billy, when he first gets arrested, says like, call my dad. I think that they kind of, maybe in a small town like that, the police wouldn't really do, like, a deep dive investigation. I mean, they obviously, like, they call the uh, cell phone company, and that takes a while. Um, You know, this is the 90s, and so I think that maybe a small town like that wouldn't have a big law enforcement and wouldn't have a lot of access or even thought to look into things like DNA or fingerprints or yeah. I feel like they would just kind of go off of what Billy and Stu said because they already kind of assist, like they already kind of thought that it was Sydney's father anyway. Um they mm. kind of are, that idea was already kind of implanted. Um and so they're already kind of questioning the fact that they couldn't find him and that it was the anniversary of his wife's death. Um, all that was kind of already put out there. So I think with something like this, such a brutal killing of teenagers, they probably would have just wanted to do anything to just sweep it under the rug and be like, Yep, this is what happened. These are the good guys, these are the bad guys. I don't think they would have done enough research into it to look into something like that. So I think it still works when you think about the timing and the type of town that they live in. That is a good point. I didn't actually think about that. I'm thinking like bigger town things, but yeah, that is a small town probably would be, they're more like they know everybody that, that didn't what happened. If they're already suspecting it's her father and they can't find him and they already copied his cell phone, I guess in a, in a way they wouldn't even look at the fingerprint thing. That was more big town, big city stuff. Yeah. I, I definitely, I, I definitely that makes a lot more sense than you know that makes a lot of sense i just thought of my other one too the um the principal uh played by henry winkler the mm-hmm. what's his name uh arthur Hembry, the uh he after only two deaths and then like a, a, a shock 
scare from from Sydney, and they they had in custody Billy. He closes the school down after they had somebody in custody. He put a, he put a curfew out. I that's another thing. I was like, wait a second. What after just two deaths, and then they had a guy who they pretty are pretty confident in possibly. But then again, you're saying that they had they were really suspecting the father. So I guess that's could be why they did that as well. They put the curfew out, but that I was like, I think they would just pretty much put the curfew on and not cancel school because the kids are pretty much safe if they're just in their classes. But well, I think it's because remember Sydney gets attacked in the bathroom. Ah, that is a good point. Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay. And then they are also, yeah. Yeah, because there's the kids that go running through the hallway. And I think those are the two kids that he kind of takes in and yells at. And then while he's already probably like taking them in or whatever, Sydney also gets like attacked in the bathroom. Um, And so, you know, and I think also at that point, Billy's been cleared he was already released because they're in the school um and they have that talk at the stairs where he you know again he says like get over your mother's death or whatever so i think Mm -hmm. that's probably why is because sydney was attacked so that could be that could be a that could be that logical sense too on that one that's just me forgetting that one oh yeah that's right yeah that's good though movie way 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 too many times so it is okay <laughs> oh yeah but hey that's a good thing i had to get another perspective on there too and you can have to get two different brains tackling something so <laughs> yeah we had a couple different to- last couple topics here our lvp least valuable player of the film and the mvp uh i'll kick off my lvp i think it's uh the principal uh, arthur Henry. uh <laughs> Again, but I also thought that I was playing to my flaw about him closing the school, but now I kind of, it's probably not that <laughs> probably a reason why, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's Henry Winkler. I, I get taken out. I don't really associate him with like this principal thing. I think of him as the Fonz and the coach from the water boy. So when I see him in this movie, I'm like, ah, it's, it's him. They could have got somebody different to play the principal, but uh, that's just, I, it's Henry Winkler. That's all I picture. I don't think of it's him as Arthur. So I must yeah. give him the LVP here. But again, other than some cheesy lines, I really love this film. So I'm really, there's nothing really terrible or glaringly bad about it for me. So I was going to, I'm going to nitpick with Arthur there. So that's true. That's, a, that's a good one. I didn't really think about, I kind of, I guess thought about the main cast and mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel so bad. I keep picking on poor David Arquette, but I <laughs> Dewey. No, not David. His it's nothing as David Arquette. It is that Dewey is a useless human being. I mean, Sydney's staying the night and the killer calls him or calls her and like they're like Dewey, Dewey, and it takes him forever. He runs out of the room with his gun in like his fucking underpants. <laughs> what like what are you doing? And yeah, it's just and he picks up the phone and says, hello, after he clearly hung up. <laughs> I know. And then, like, yeah, exactly. And he just makes a lot of, like, not very smart decisions throughout this film. Um, so I think Dewey is just kind of a little useless. Yeah. he And his, his Tatum picks on him quite a bit in this movie as well. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, when he, the, at Sydney's house, too, he's holding the mask towards the door and looking the other I way know. with his gun. What, who does that's a, such an unnatural thing to do so you just want that kind of like little bit of jump scare for the film but 
that uh, yeah i deputy dewey i think that was uh he gets a little better in the other movies but yeah this one is the first start of it but i i, I like i like the pick if we're going main cast that's a good pick there probably a little better than mine so i, I like it i like it a lot yeah uh mvp of the movie mvp the most valuable player. I'm going not somebody on the movie. I'm going to go with Kevin Williamson, the writer of this film. I, uh, I really liked it. I, I like the writing. I like the way they were able to tell this story. Granted, there is some cheesy lines here. It's kind of some nineties cheese in there. They reference a ton of horror movies, but I think that some, a lot of them, other than the psycho one, we kind of referenced with Billy. I thought a lot of it came up naturally in the conversation. You had these guys who are ter- total horror fans. So of course they, they, they it's kind of like the bro or the dude. They, they, they instead of saying that, they just reference horror movies all the time. So, I, I liked how it, came, it seemed natural. The conversation; these guys seem like they're all friends and hanging out, and uh, it, it also gives you that '90s vibe to it too. So, I, I like Kevin Williamson in this one. Obviously, he's wrote some really great movies in, in this franchise too. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him my most valuable player for it for this film. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I went with Sydney yeah. <laughs> and Nev. Um, but yeah, I do definitely agree. I mean, I think if and I may be wrong in this, but I do believe, and I think I heard this somewhere that he didn't, I think he didn't write the third one for some yeah, reason. I and I he didn't write it. Yeah. A lot of people credit it to not being good because of that. Um, <laughs> cause you know, Wes is a great director, but you need a good writer too. So I think. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think as far as behind the scenes, you definitely have to give it to um, Kevin. But as far as actors, I went with Nev Campbell. I like it. I like Nev Campbell's a good choice. This is awesome. I'm looking. Yeah, why not? Happy birthday, Nev. You got her MVP. So that's awesome. Uh, Kevin Williamson, actually looking at his his writing credits here. He wrote Scream, Scream 2, Scream 4. And he also wrote, mm-hmm. I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yep. I knew cursed. That cursed. Uh, from, what year was this from? Uh, 2005, directed by Wes Craven as well. Yeah, another. And uh, Teaching Miss Tingle from 1999. Directed, he also directed this movie, which oh. is uh, a horror film with Katie Holmes, Helen yeah. Mirren, and Jeffrey Tambor. Vivica A. Fox is in it as well. Uh, but the one that I really like that he wrote that I didn't know is a Robert Rodriguez film from 1998 called The Faculty. <gasps> How did I, I not know? I love that movie. I, didn't I love, yeah, I love that movie too. And that's one that I like. That's totally my like 98 jam of <laughs> horror <laughs> films. I love The Faculty. Yes, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, we just my wife hadn't seen it before, so we're like, we, we're watching The Faculty. We also binged watch Idle Hands too. It was another one that we kind of like just threw oh. on as well. It's just some fun movies, so a good horror, good horror film there. Yeah, Idle Hands is amazing. Yeah, it's fun because I just uh, we deep dove um, on my friend here too, uh, Adam's Family Values, and the hand, the guy who plays Thing, and he was also Idle Hands, so we referenced that movie there too. So like, I, go watch Idle Hands if you haven't. It's a it's a fun Devin Saya movie too. So. Oh yeah, I love Devin Saya and uh, Young Jessica Alba too. So true, forget that she very true. Very true. And- from Blink-22 makes like a two-second appearance in that film. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah, my, I, I think I missed it. watch it in the scene where uh, Devin's character goes into that like fast food place, the drive-thru, the guy that he like replaces at the window, that's Tom DeLonge. Oh, my gosh. Very that, quick. That, 
you gotta look for it but yeah he's just like real in and out he's blonde at the time i think and so yeah it's just like very quick but yep he's in it <laughs> well i guess this would be the perfect time to say well all the small things that's crazy <laughs> Perfect. I'm, my brain usually doesn't work that fast. I'm glad I did right there. So, <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to the quote of the day, our last little topic here. And I, I think that there's so many awesome ones here, but if we don't just mention that the three rules again, uh, three rules of horror movies, you can never have sex, no drinking, no drugs. You know, it ties into the first one. You can't have any sins. And never say, I'll be right back. I think that for me is one of like, that's the, we were talking about best scenes. This is the, probably the best quote here yep. as well. That's yeah. what I put too. <laughs> for, yeah. You got, you got to mention it. That's the fantastic scene. Is there any other quote that you like, this is a, this is a fun piece of dialogue right here. Is there anything else that you can think of off the top of your head? Hmm. A hard one. I think that most iconic one is. Hello, Sydney. Yeah, obviously. Um, I love the fact that I love kind of as cheesy as it is and some people don't really like it I like Stu's whole bit when he gets stabbed and he's on like the phone with Sydney and Mm -hmm. just his little weird like kind of one-liner moments when he's like did you really call the cops my parents are gonna be so mad at me (laughs) they're gonna be so pissed off when um uh uh, Ski Orange like hits him with the phone. Uh, <laughs> he's like, "You hit me with the phone, you dick!" Like those kind of like moments of like Stu kind of having a bit of a breakdown, um, which yeah. really kind of explains the fact his character like the line about being like peer pressured into it. Yeah, uh, I want like motive. Yeah, I kind of want to know how much of his lines are ad ad libbed because I think Matthew Lillard could probably do some ad libbing on this movie. Yeah, I think the phone line definitely was um, because I think that Skeet accidentally hit him with the phone. I think when mm. he throws it, he didn't actually mean to hit him. And he, so he said, like, I think that line where he says, like, you hit me with the phone, that was kind of, like, improv-ish. <laughs> and they just, like, kept it in. So, yeah. I'm not sure how much of it on this was, but I'm pretty sure that particular line was. Yeah, I'm looking at Matthew Lillard's filmography right now. I had no idea he he made cameo. I knew he made a cameo appearance in Scream Two, but he was in Scream Three and Four. Really? That's what like it's saying right now. I'm I'm double checking. I'm cross referencing it. Let's see. They don't give a character name for Scream in Scream Four or a scene. Let's see what the Scream Three is. Uh, Skeet Ulrich was in it as a voice, and so was Matthew Lillard. Oh, okay. And that's in Scream Three. So oh, maybe they during that flashback sequence they had Lillard's and Skeet Ulrich's voice in there. So oh, probably that's probably what it was. So it's nothing uh, for Scream Three, but Scream Four, you know, they had Matthew Lillard clearly bookmarked as something. But hmm. I have to go look back and uh, look at that again. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Alrighty, well, that's pretty much we're over an hour right now, so I don't want to take too much time out of your day. But this was a fun conversation. It was. Thank you so much. Absolutely, I think we might have to eventually conquer this whole franchise. I would love to uh, pick your brain about it. Oh, definitely, I would definitely be down. 
Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll have a we'll we'll start talking about Scream Two next time, guys. So definitely, uh, at some point, we're going to be conquering Scream Two. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So heck yeah, I'm down to do that. Hell yeah. Uh, so again, guys, I'll, I'll have Lizzie uh, tell you where you can find all her social media stuff again, but that all will be in the show notes. Make sure, guys, go support Carnage Candy on YouTube, social media, and all that great stuff. And also, you could follow myself on Twitter at Adam Sideways and also our podcast at Almost Sideways. Feel free to leave a review on iTunes. We would read that on the podcast episodes. I want to give you guys shout-outs because we're really thankful for you guys taking taking some time out of your day and listening. And, yeah, uh, Lizzie, one more time, thank you so much. Uh, tell everybody at home where we can find you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on basically all social media Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Patreon, uh, at Carnage Candy with two Y's. Two Y's. Carnage Candy, guys. Remember that? And as we're closing, here's the theme to scream. <laughs> <laughs>